We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 328. It's about 8 p.m. Sunday night. The tarp is on the field. There are three people still at Yankee Stadium. They're all beat reporters waiting for this game to just get called. I don't know what's going on. Everyone has the same opinion. Like, umpires, what the hell are you doing? Just call I mean, it. Can we just call the game? There's no reason. As soon as you walked off the field and pulled everybody off in the uh, bottom of the eighth inning, you knew damn well nobody was coming back out. The, the radar was a disaster. So, Yeah, and you look at the radar, it's pretty much pouring rain until 2 a.m. So yeah. unless you're going to call it right away, is your plan to keep people there till 2 a.m.? It, it certainly better not be because well, but like, this is, it would be, what's it the would point? be very what, dumb. What are they waiting for then? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, the, I know weathermen are stupid. Shift. I know weathermen don't always get it right, but uh, it has been pouring rain since the seventh inning. So let's just uh, assume this game gets called and that's a Yankees W. If something changes in the next hour while we're recording, we'll obviously talk about it. 
But uh, yeah, everyone in the end of that game is just like, all right, what are we doing here? Because remember Gary sort of slipped behind home plate and you're immediately like holding your breath. Like, oh yeah. God, here we go. This is, this is my nightmare, right? Someone's, someone's rounding a base or someone's tracking down a deep fly ball and they just blow out an ACL because it's, it's a swimming pool out there. Yeah, that or the ball's getting away from, you know, a guy like Chapman or whomever, uh, you know, is pitching for the Twins. It's just, it's not... Drill you, somebody in the forehead. Yeah, like, you're <laughs> not trying to put out there. Like, these guys can't grip the ball as well, and, and they're trying to... It gets... The ball gets slick, and it's pouring down rain. Nobody wants to be in that situation. No. Nobody. Not one professional athlete. I don't want them to be in that situation. And... uh you could tell it was affecting the Yankees pitchers late in that game. It was affecting the Twins pitchers too, but it was key in that eighth inning for Adovino. He did not look like he could grip the ball. And then Chapman comes in, and that's that's a nightmare at bat to get My out God. of that eighth inning. First uh, of all, like the person coming up, uh, or whoever's up, I forget who it was, was up against Chapman. You're like, yeah. please, God, let him control this ball. Just That's please. one of those things he looks I, at his manager and is like, uh, you, maybe I pinch it for to? me. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's standing at the edge of the batter's box, like ass out, like Bartolo Colon doesn't want to get hit. Yeah, but it right. was. Um, but Chapman actually threw a really good 3-2 pitch, which yeah. was ballsy, not even a fastball, threw off speed, and, uh, and, and it was a beautiful pitch. So My theory is that Boone assumed they were going to get called after the eighth inning. That's why he went to Chapman there to uh, get out of that eighth inning jam because we don't really normally see Chapman come in for four out saves. He has struggled with, with more than one inning of work in the past. So whatever. Um, I think he also saw something with Adovino that he just didn't like as far as the, I don't think he liked, I don't think he liked the Gary Adovino combination because there was the one pass ball and then there was a cross up that they're lucky did not hurt them. Yeah. That wasn't the first cross up either. It was just, it was ugly. And a lot of it had to do with the rain. Yeah. There's no doubt. But Chapman is just like, oh, let me get, let me find a better solution. Let's bring in Chapman with the yeah. you know soaking wet ball. Guy throws 100 miles an hour, sometimes can't find the plate. You the know. only thing worse, if they had a knuckleballer on the team, bringing in a knuckleballer with, with a I mean, rain. I'll get hit by 15 knuckleballs before I get hit by one Chapman ball. Just talking about for catching the ball as a, <laughs> yeah. as a catcher uh, yeah. in the pouring rain. But like I said, if something changes in the next hour, we will update you guys as we talk live. Uh, I don't think they're going to resume the game. But lots to talk about today. Uh, let's run through a couple housekeeping items. So we have events coming up very soon. We are rapidly approaching May 31st. The Yankees are about to enter a long stretch of games that ends with that four-game Red Sox series in the Bronx. And that May 31st Friday night game is our event. Yeah, no, that's, it's coming up for sure. That We have over 200 tickets sold. Uh, there's a lot of excitement building for this one. Uh, we have some some other big groups that are haven't even come in yet, but have told me they're kind of assembling their crew behind the scenes. So um, this thing is going to sell out. I, I fully expect it to sell out, and it's uh, it's a great deal. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, go out and get them. If you're if you have people in your group dragging their feet, go out and make sure that they they uh, you know tell step them up and get going because tell them to look at the standings and look at the Red Sox not sucking anymore. The Red yep. Sox are starting to play better. They're almost back at 500. The Yankees are going to play Tampa six times over the next couple of weeks, and they play Boston four times. Those games are going to really be important. It's going to be for first place or battling for positioning in the AL East. That is going to be a sellout crowd at Yankee Stadium. We are going to sell out all, all of our tickets. We're in Section 205, and it is 96 bucks, which is a hell of a lot better deal than you're going to get anywhere in the stadium. There you go. You said it very well. It's a Friday night game, too, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be at the dugout beforehand 
and the t-shirt comes along with that and you know it'll be a ruckus crowd there's no doubt about it it's going to be a bunch of fun then right after that i mean we're we're, we're pretty much only have a couple weeks then we have the uh, june 22nd event which is the houston astros that's a saturday night game also i'm 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 glad that we could get some night games in because there really weren't that many this year on the home schedule the home weekend schedule was kind of weird um and then you can check out the uh the fan shop uh, bronxpinstripes.com uh you can see the other two games in august and September, I'm sorry, July and August after that. So we have two more after the the Houston game as well. And tickets will be on sale this week for the Tampa invasion. We're going down to Tampa. We're invading the trap. We're going to rip the speakers out. We're going to we have 200 tickets on reserve. Uh, so it's a Fourth of July weekend, July 6th on Saturday, a four o'clock game. That one's going to be a lot of fun. This is our first formal invasion of another stadium. So if you guys are in Tampa or in the Tampa area or in the Florida and just want to drive up or looking for a little vacation, a little weekend away, definitely hook that up. And it makes sense that it's Tampa because that is a Yankee city through and through. Yeah, why not? I mean, St. Pete's nice. It's a nice area. Never been. The trap is a dump. Never been to St. Pete. Uh, Like I said, though, the Yankees are in the middle of a stretch here where pretty much they have one off day in the month of May. They uh, go into a really tough stretch of games. After April being pretty easy, it was hard because of the roster and all the injuries, but they battled through April. They um, finished April strong, but now they've got, they just played the Twins. They finally got a win over a 500 team. Check, got to, had, had to check that box. Seattle's coming in for four games. They're a good team. They play Tampa six times over the next two weeks. And then, like I said, they finish it with four against Boston. So as easy as a schedule as April was, I think May might be the most difficult month that they end up playing this year. Yeah, I mean, thankfully we're getting some guys back, and we'll go through all the injury updates in a little bit. But, you know, losing Paxton now, going with, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's, insane. I made a joke in the fact that, we, you know, we get two guys coming back. You know, of course someone had to go down. There had to be some kind of an ultimate sacrifice. We can't, for, we can't get too high on ourselves. <laughs> right. We gotta, that would be too easy if we have everybody yeah. ready to go. So, so now we're going to see, you know, someone take uh, the start. What Loiza guy, I think, is taking that start. And he's going to miss a few, uh, a few weeks. So Three weeks good, max is what? I, I don't believe that at all though you know that's the thing like who knows you know they're saying that right now three weeks max but how are you gonna put a maximum on something when he comes right, back and all so of a sudden he's not them, right? they've been so cautious with injury updates over the last couple weeks yeah. that to put the max stamp on it especially is, with a guy like paxton where we know like that was the mo he's good if he's on the field like that there was always the little contingency you know side side comment after you're talking about him so and it's true when he's on the field and healthy, he's good. But you know, so but yeah, we have a, a tough stretch now and down more guys. So we need uh, guys like today, like Domingo Homan, coming out there and just balling. You know, taking taking the ball and being the guy that we need. We need uh, Loiza going to do the same now. And, and it's a, such a tough spot that the Yankees were put in on Friday because they just had two off days in the week, which is unusual. So everyone's rested, and that's great. But your starter, your number one pitcher, Paxton, at that point can't go farther than three innings because of the knee injury, so they're immediately burning through the bullpen. Holder, two innings. Adovino, an inning. Canely, an inning. Britton, an inning. He struggled. And then Chapman, an inning. You're kicking off such a difficult part of the schedule with no off days, and you have to churn through the bullpen on night one. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely... It's definitely one of those things when you're looking at it and it's, uh, 
you just you, we've been going by this next man up thing, right? You're just you're waiting for the next guy to come up and fill his position. We've seen it with the position players, um, Gio Ursula. I mean, nobody knew his name before he came up. We saw a guy that came over was uh, you know from the from Cleveland and Toronto, and we thought it was just another journeyman guy. And this come up, he's come up and done unbelievably well. Hit when nobody expected him to hit. You know, playing practically Gold Glove third base. So how how much more can we get of that from the pitching staff from the offense? You know, there's just a lot. There's a lot to expect from guys who are, are not supposed to do that. But getting, so far, they've done it. Yeah, they're getting key performances. They got key performances on Friday night out of the bullpen, with the exception of Britain, who I'm still waiting. When is the, quote, old Britain showing up? We're, we're far past that Achilles injury at this point, right? Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's been disappointing because he started off the season, I think, I thought he looked good, but... You know, as the, sometimes the results weren't there. I mean, the walks were being cut back, but now you're still seeing balls left up in the zone. I mean, that ball that he left up to Nelson Cruz was it's just you, it's a meatball. It's it's unacceptable. You can't do that. Britain knows who Nelson Cruz is very well. I think they played together, didn't they, with on the Orioles? Like this, they yeah. know each other very well. So you know damn well you can't leave a ball of that guy's a professional hitter. He's 38 years old, 39 still, years old, and still, still mashing. I He's know. still a beast. That's my point. Like the guy, that's what he does. He can hit anything. So if you leave uh, a meatball up in the zone over the plate to Nelson Cruz, he's going to tattoo the ball. And that's exactly what happened. And Britton knew it. You knew it exactly as soon as he threw it. I mean, he was, you could tell that he was as mad at himself, but you know, there's only so much you can like when a guy's mad at himself if it continues to happen. Yeah, and, and Britain's numbers overall don't look that terrible. I know his ERA is over four, but his FIP is much, much better. I believe it's around the high twos. So that indicates that he's actually um, pitching a little better than his just regular traditional ERA would suggest. But it's the, it's the games like in Houston when he walks batters and gets himself in trouble. It's the game like Friday night when he leaves a meatball to the Twins' most dangerous power hitter that you just scratch your head and say, this is not the Zach Britton that we signed up for $13 million a year. Right. No, yeah, especially this far after the Achilles. Like, I really thought uh, when we saw him towards that the was end the of whole last pitch. year. That was the whole sales pitch. No doubt. Well, at the, end of, at the end of last year, he started looking much better. And he came back. I mean, when you think about the the surgery that he had and the type of injury that that is for a guy that, that needs his lower half, it's essential to what he does. Um, you know, that much, when, when he came back as close as he did to that injury, you know, that's, that's to me, was shocking that he could pitch as effectively as he did, but he definitely didn't look like the same guy. You take that away, and he's even talked about it, you know, how much better he feels. So, look, I, I do expect him to be, you know, closer to that guy this year. I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, he's going through some, some early, early season struggles and still trying to find the feel for it. But it's very unlike him. It's very unlike him. Leaving the ball over the plate like that, especially with a guy like him, man, everything's down on the zone. He doesn't leave balls up like that. I want to talk about two other points in that game on Friday. So I really liked how Boone used Ottavino in the sixth inning, yeah, which uh, was to face the middle of the Twins order with Cruz, Crone, and Gonzalez coming up. He was not saying that, oh, it's the sixth inning, so next up would be Canely or next up would be Britain. He said, I'm going with Ottavino to face these big right-handed hitters who has a nasty slider. I know it's the sixth inning, but I don't care. So... Maybe it was the nerds that told him to do that. Maybe Boone just figured that out on his own. Whatever it is, I like to see that professional managerial development out of Aaron Boone. Well, and and by the way, the game is called Yankees win. Um, but the Yankees win. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it, it's nice to see when you when you're when you give look the whole reason we had this bullpen, and you know the way that it was 
put together was that so you could have this flexibility yeah. in the use pen your, with all of these you weapons to use whenever. at any point. Yeah, you want to put the fire extinguisher in there in the sixth inning to get through the the you know the heart the meat of the lineup. Go ahead. Um, not that you don't have effective guys after that because you do, especially now with Canely, you know, being as effective as he is. So uh, it was good. I like it. And you're right. Maybe it's progression. Maybe it's nerds. Who knows? But either way, I like it. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was a, a very telling uh, point in that game. And also on the flip side, what is Phil Nevin doing sending Luke Voigt in the first inning? Yeah. Like he was out by 30, maybe 40 feet. I mean, it was not forty feet. He was out. He was out by like, it was it was way less than that. But it was a long. It was a it lot. Was he was six full strides. He was out by a lot. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, and you could tell Voight like it gets thrown out. He sort of just kneeling at home plate. He goes, "Why did he send me?" He's yeah. He's looking at the next guy in uh, yeah. Like, what was that? What happened here? Okay, so here's what we have to say about this, right? Is this the first time we've talked about Phil Nevin besides the one time where he put a whole bunch of uh, layers on and looked like a fat guy and called himself out for being a fat guy? Mm, yeah, pretty sure this is the first time so that's a okay. good thing as a third base coach if we're not talking about him then uh then he's doing no his we job. talked about phil nevin when aaron judge got duped on a sack fly okay fine the the point is, is that phil nevin has been doing his job well and uh you know it's a bad if, send I, it's a bad I, send but i'm not going to get too amped up about it yeah um star wars day saturday yankees did not uh not have the force with them, Scott. There you go. How long have you been waiting for to say that? So last year, since I was at I was night. at the May the Fourth game last year. It was uh, Miguel Andujar walked off. Uh, Rich and I were at the game, and I was live tweeting the game, and I made every, made sure every single tweet had a Star Wars reference in it. I was very proud of myself. I was not at the game this year though. Yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah. You guys were up in the you guys were up in the uh, the, the like the, the party box. city suite or something. Yeah. yeah. The um and Rich got me a uh, a Jedi Judge. So thank you, Rich. I still have mine over there. There you go. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't a great day for for the Yankees. It was a good day for CC. CC obviously loves uh, Star Wars. He's a big Star Wars guy. If you ever listen to R two C two, I mean the freaking name in it has a little R two D two reference to it. But he's the biggest Yoda I've ever seen in my life. The guy went all in, all in with the makeup, the whole deal, the, the freaking hands. He's handing out bobbleheads with the with the the costume hands. Yeah. It looks so uncomfortable. It's probably freaked some though. kids out. It, it's a big Yoda. It's a big ass Yoda. <laughs> a big fat Yoda. <laughs> Yoda. Yoda is not a big dude, and and uh, CC is a big guy. So yeah, that's uh, that's all fun. But J Hap just didn't have it. He didn't have it. The home and run Oda ball Rizzi again shut the Yankees down. Yeah, it was, and we've seen Yoda Rizzi do that before when he was with the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's one of those guys that is not flashy. You don't hear a lot about him, but he's a good pitcher, and he's he's been a good pitcher for a while. Hap had been so strong since that Boston game. Pretty much three great starts in a row. But then you look at it, okay, two of them were against, one of them was Anaheim, one of them was San Francisco, two poor hitting teams. Then you get the Twins, who have been a powerful hitting team this year. I know that maybe they've just beat up on Baltimore pitching, but still, I look at the middle of that Twins lineup, and I think there's a lot of damage to be done in that lineup. And Hap gave up two home runs, and it could have been a third if Maben doesn't rob that ball. Yeah, and kudos to Cameron Maben. I mean, that guy's been unbelievable since he's been back or since he's been here. Uh, his first home run being against Roger Clemens in the major leagues, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so it's come full circle for him. The It's crazy how long he's been around. But yeah, ha- I mean, that could have been – the line would have been a disaster if, if Maben doesn't catch that ball. Three home runs that out. Been that a, was a three-run three, shot, I think, Three-run shot, yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's – you're adding seven – you're putting seven runs on the board now um, in uh, – 
in, in half start. But yeah, it's he he wasn't good. The the ball was up. He still kind of you know he got into the sixth inning, which is he got a little bit of depth. Even when he wasn't good, he still kind of battled through it and and kept them uh, you know around the game. So I guess you can applaud him for that when he when he wasn't good. But you know we want to see him yeah, execute Yankees, now against uh, against a good team. You know we haven't seen it yet. Need to see it. They started to get to the Twins bullpen, and I yeah. think I forget what inning it was. Maybe it was the seventh inning where Voit ends the inning and had Gary gotten up I think he would have been the tying run and then Gary was just locked in all weekend and he probably would have just taken the ball 450 feet out the left field like we saw him do three times this weekend and you look at his power numbers I mean it is ridiculous he now has 11 home runs basically half of his hits have been home runs it's crazy and then yeah. I don't know if you heard the broadcast today Paul O'Neill and Kay were talking about barrels and how um Gary Sanchez is like a 30 percent barrel rate which is like triple the league average. So, I mean, such a stark difference when you're looking at what he was last year. I mean, this just proves what last year well, was such an anomaly. home runs last year. Though. I know, That's the but thing. you could tell that he was, he was chasing a lot more pitches. He wasn't oh, he was waiting lost for those pitches. He was, he was totally lost. lost. He was, he, his confidence was, was in the dumps. He was struggling on the, on both sides of the ball. The guy just couldn't catch a break. So when you're seeing a, a Gary Sanchez, that's completely locked in. That's a dangerous man. Like that is a dangerous dude up there. And, and, you know, he's, he's got the comparisons when he first came up to a, a Manny Ramirez type with, from the right side. I mean, he's got that kind of power. Didn't A-Rod, make, a, that, A-Rod he, made that comparison? Did I just, damn it, did I just make an A-Rod? Did I just uh, reference an A-Rod comment? Yeah, well, the, in, your, in, in fairness to you, in your defense, you'd probably have heard A-Rod say that eh, 30, 40 times. <laughs> That's true. It's probably one of his go-tos. <laughs> but, I mean, no, he is, he's that kind of a, a vicious right-handed bat and, when he's locked in because – you know, he doesn't let things get by him. And, uh, and it's good because, like I said this last time, he could carry a team when he's that good. And I was yep. off by what? One series? I was off by a series calling his hot streak. Yeah, so he this just needed to get the rust off. Just needed to get the rust off. But now he's good. I love it. The, I mean, this, the, is, this is exactly what we needed to see from him early in the season. The at-bat quality is there. And I think uh, that's, No doubt. We still saw power last year. He, in, he missed two months of the season and he hit 18 home runs. Right. So... As far as just the power numbers go, if you extrapolate that rate out, you're looking at close to 30 home runs for a season for him last year. And that's when he hit 180, and he was lost at the plate. Now he has his batting average up in the 270s, his on-base percentage is up in the 360s, and we're seeing a guy who is on pace for a 30 to 40 home run season. Just an absolute wrecking ball. He's actually on pace for like 80 home runs or something. Stupid because okay, of the but, amount of games, but he's we played. know that's not actually going to happen. So, <laughs> but the um, but no, he's 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 at that pace again, though, though, where he's seeing the ball well, and and when he's hitting it, it's there's just damage happening after because, like you said, that many barrels, yeah, he's, he's he's like you know, he's country strong. And Sunday, the Yankees were going for the series win, and I, I think that was you know, it was actually. A big game because they had, like I said, not beaten a team above 500 and they did really well on the road. But other than beating Kansas City at home, they had struggled at home to to finish these series. They couldn't do it against the White Sox, couldn't do it against the uh, the Orioles a couple times. So this was a big game. Herman has been the most consistent and I think the best starting pitcher they've had this season. Yeah, I mean, go figure. And we kind of labeled him as an X-Factor early on. And he's become way more than that now because of the injuries that have happened, especially now with Paxton, but with Severino. I mean, he slotted right in there and just 
just given, you know, quality start after quality start. And I don't mean that by six innings, three runs. I mean, good starts. The guy has been quality every time he's gone out there with a, you know, an exception or two, but he's been good. The curveball was filthy. Even, I mean, even this time out, like he still had some walks. He walked three guys, had four hits, but struck out seven and, and still had a manageable pitch count. So he was still getting the swings and misses. He still had got some guys on base. I know a couple of them came late. Um, but that still seventh inning, that it stuff. started to rain a lot more in that seventh inning. And you could tell he was over 100 pitches. He threw 108 pitches. That was his season high. I think it might have even been his career high for pitches. And you could just tell he was losing a little bit of the grip in the yeah. seventh inning, as yeah. everyone was. So if this is a dry day, I think he probably gets through that seventh inning. Yeah, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't disagree. And I, think, and I definitely think Boone lets him get through that you know, and, and gets, him, uh, gets him into that. Even even with a little bit more of a leash, but again, he's been really good the entire time. We we went up against uh, Flailing Arms Pineda. I'm so happy that Mike Talkman hit a two run shot after looking like a jackass the, the the time before that, and he was in some some ridiculous like four for three for forty something. I don't even know what it was. It was bad. Yeah. But and he but got he, three meatballs centered in dick. his first at bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> down, down the middle of the couldn't plate. touch it. But yeah. but he did get to one. We saw the Flailing Arms Pineda. Thank God, I was very happy to see that in a different uniform. I would have been very disappointed if we didn't hit a home run off of him and yeah. see the uh, the flailing arms. It would have been it would have been a little bit of a letdown. I got I was uh, tweeting about Pineda last week when I knew the Yankees were going to face him, and a Twins fan commented on my tweet and he said, "Oh, he's been pretty solid for the Twins this year." And I said, "Pretty solid? He's got a six plus ERA and given up thirty seven hits in twenty nine innings. That's what that's what Twins fans are calling solid." Yeah, I mean, when's the last time they've had a bona fide like Johan Santana? I mean, it's been a while Francisco since they've had a bona fide. Ace. I mean, maybe they were they overlapped too. I think right, like when Lariano first came up. So yeah, I believe it was so. it was around the same time. It was it's been a long long time since they've had a a true number one guy. Um, so yeah, they've been tough times up up there. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad we saw it. I'm glad we saw flailing arms. I'm glad we saw him. There was it would have made me very very angry. Oh god, if Michael Pineda had come out and, and lost to Pineda would have been just gut wrenching. But we talked about the the end of the game and, and the sloppiness. But in there was just one out by Canely. But that sort of you know was another appearance where he was didn't allow a hit, didn't allow a run, got a big out. That makes eleven straight relief appearances where he has shut the door. Yeah, I mean Tommy Canley has has come at the right has come back at the right time. You got to give this guy so much credit after the year he had last year and being completely out of the you know, out of the mix, out of the the plans for the Yankees, you know, last year and and you know, not having a real role coming into this season, he basically had to prove to everybody that he could still pitch at the major league level and be effective. And he makes these cuts in his personal life and does things for his health and whatever admits that he had an injury. So now maybe he's fully healthy. His head's back in the game. You know, he's back to that bulldog mentality. Maybe, maybe it's because the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl, and then you know he was uh, wasn't a little, partying as much. Wasn't partying as hard. You know, not, not, not as much Fortnite. You see the yeah. Red Sox banned Fortnite in their in their I did clubhouse. See that. That's pretty funny. And I, they've kind of gone on a run since they banned Fortnite. Fortnite bad for baseball. Bad for baseball. <laughs> but carpal tunnel syndrome. You don't want that. But no, he's been he's been uh, he's been awesome. That changeup is is just filthy, and and it runs away from uh, you know from the left handed bat and. It's just it's a dominant pitch. It really is. He looks really good. He has been a he has neutralized left-handed hitters, like you said, with that changeup. They've sort of used him like a weapon against lefties. Yeah. 
and you don't see that very often a guy coming in throwing from the right side with a changeup that fades like that i mean it's 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 who got is, some serious movement who is the kid the skinny kid with a really good changeup back in like the 2007 days you know who i'm talking about. yep um, something uh, ramirez no yep eduardo ed eduardo ed, uh, ramirez? ramirez yeah ed rexpex rexpex yeah and it's like he threw like 90, maybe, on a good day. Yeah. If, if the wind was at his back, he could touch 90. But his changeup was absolute filth. If Loisaga had rec specs, he would be Edward Ramirez. Maybe he can borrow uh, Joe Harvey's. Uh, Joe Harvey's got the Reds, rec specs, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. Those are some... Those are Lasagna some, can maybe borrow him for his next start. They're week. damn close to Chris Sabo. All right, guys. I want to talk to you a little bit about SeatGeek. They are sponsoring our episode and friends of the show. If you ever need tickets... For any kind of event, make sure you go out and check check out SeatGeek. They sponsor the show, so you, they support us. So please go and support us by checking out SeatGeek and their app. The ticket industry hasn't changed in a very long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been thrown around forever but really don't care about making the experience any easier for the customer. I've used it, getting Springsteen tickets. I've gotten some Jets tickets through the app. And SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first with over – with more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced plus fully guaranteed. Every single purchase. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have that it on my phone, and I know, Andrew, you do too. I have it on my phone. We've talked about, I think the selling point on SeatGeek is the app and just the, the ease of use of the app. Um, and like I, like we've talked about, those green dots make it such a, a visually easy platform to use. Just click, just click around the stadium, whatever you're doing, around the theater, around the stadium, check out the green dots, see where you want to sit, find the best deal. It's very easy to use. And best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase all you have to do is download the app and use promo code Bronx. And like I said, $10 off your first purchase. That's a free food item. That's a free beer, whatever you want to do in the stadium. $10 off with promo code Bronx. All right, let's talk about Paxton, who we kind of touched on it earlier, obviously left Friday's game. But we mentioned Cashman saying three weeks max. I think that is... It seems like that is realistic because Paxton was not overly concerned about it. He was pretty much trying to pitch through the knee soreness. Um, so I, I could see three weeks. That's basically two turns through the rotation without him. Here's why I don't like these, these limits or these, uh, these max time frames. Because the whole, the whole point for a time frame is, is to set an expectation in whose mind I'd say the player's mind. You're trying to say these things to the player so that they have something to, to aim for something to shoot for the doctors and the player, right? Or the trainers. Why, are, why do they have to tell the, the fans? We don't need to know this. You know, I know you're trying to like dumb it down a little bit and say that it's not as much, not as big of an injury, but you could say that without putting a number on it. The reason I say this is because the, the, um, we'll really know when he's going to come back when he tests it again, right? Like they're going to rest him. Then he'll test it again. And that test, to me, is when you're really going to know how long he's going to be out. If the test is okay and he feels good, then maybe three weeks. But if he tests it and he still feels something, it's going to be longer than three weeks. So why do they have to do it now? But we've seen them not give timetables on guys. Aaron Judge still does not have a, time, have a timetable. Right. So why? I think if they feel confident, if the doctors are confident and the player's confident, they give a timetable. They also said it about Clint Frazier that... 
yeah, he's going on the injured list with the uh, the ankle issue, but this is not going to be a long-term thing. And we're, we could see Clint Frazier back as early as Monday or possibly Tuesday of this week. The thing so that worries me about Paxton, super... though... Yeah, but it, it, he's had these injuries, right? He's had injuries before. So he's the knee issue has never... I, I read an article, and it linked to a um, an amateur write-up of Paxton. So this is pre-draft, and it mentioned... A, a knee issue. That is the only instance of a knee issue in his career. He's never missed any time at the pro level. So basically, the moment he was drafted until now with a knee issue. That, and that's good news, I guess. That's good news, right? But but, but the bad news is that Paxton comes in. Yeah, Paxton comes in never having topped 160 innings, yes. and it's one thing after the other with this guy. Yes. Is it the arm? Is it the finger? Is it the is it the leg? Is it the back? Is it, it's just one thing after the other with Paxton, why he has missed time. And some of them, like we talked about in the offseason, have been bad luck, right? He gets a comeback or off the hand. That, that's just bad luck. And then others have been more um, muscles or, or ligaments, tendons, sort, sort of things. What you don't want to see, and that's what this is most likely. I mean, it's it's most likely some kind of a, a ligament or a tendon in the knee. You don't want to see him come back still favoring it a little bit, or or you know not at full strength, one hundred percent. And then all of a sudden he's tweaking mechanics to compensate for that, not really saying as much because he wants to stay back in. And then all of a sudden you see an oblique or a shoulder or an elbow or an arm because he's changing his mechanics, and that happens all the time with these guys, and especially with the guys that are more injury prone. Like to me. That's a that's something that's that's super concerning. So whatever it is, what it is, as far as the the time frames, it doesn't change the injury. The injury is what it is at this point. We just I just want them to make sure he's fully healthy because you know what, we've had so many goddamn guys out. I I don't want to rush a guy like Paxton back if he's not ready at three weeks. What do you think of him trying to pitch through it? If it were other people. I would say, okay, <laughs> if it's him because of his history and what he's, what we've seen from him, I, I have a hard time. I don't think he's capable of doing that. It's so tough, right? Because on the one hand, we love that mentality out of a player. Yeah. We talked then, about this with, with, uh, you know, with, we've talked about this with Didi. We've talked about this with Frazier. Like, yes, you want that. But with Paxton, when you're, when you're using your legs to, to literally get your the force and the strength and you know get all of that going towards home plate and it starts on the lower half, that's a problem because then all of a sudden you're starting to compensate with things up top. And uh, Loisic is going to get his start. They haven't officially announced it yet, but that's who it's going to be. He has thrown 10 innings in the minors, given up 10 hits and 8 earned runs, has uh, Lasagna. He's pitched 10 innings at the major league level and only given up 3 earned runs and 7 hits. So for whatever reason, he's gone down to the minors and in the same amount of innings, got given up twice as much uh, offense. So what do you pull from that? I don't even know how to... Nothing. How do you, I don't because even know how to It's not like because he struggled, they're not going to go to him. It's just... He has not pitched well since being sent down to the minors. I mean, that's not great. You want to see a guy that, that goes down to the minors against inferior talent and pitch well. A guy that's supposed to be at the major league level yeah. and a guy that belongs up here should go down to the minor leagues and have success. That's just what should happen. But who else? They, they don't have anyone else to turn to to take that spot in the rotation. Maybe Sessa. Sessa could do it, but again, he's not fully stretched out. You would go to you would you would essentially have an opener situation. Uh, at that and and kind of Loisica is that anyway. It's gonna be that. I mean, I mean Loisica might get the start, but three innings, right? But that's We've the thing. seen him do it before. So Sessa very well could be slotted for the the second. So half it's Loisica anyway. for two or three, and Sessa for two or three. Yeah, very well could be. Yeah, but 
I don't know. I, I, I mentioned the numbers because those are the numbers. That's all. <laughs> do, do with them what you will. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just one of those... It's one of those things when you look at how you do it in AAA level and you're not looking at it with guys who are rehabbing or guys like but, but a guy like Loizaga, I kind of look at that and I'm like, okay, he's he's been in the major league. You think it's like a lack of focus or something? No, I don't know what it is. I mean, it could be it could be a million things. I didn't see any of these starts when he was with Scranton. I haven't I don't know what what the, what the situations were, but when you see the numbers against AAA guys, he's a pitcher that's fighting for a spot. Like you'd think that you if he was if he was going right that he would be successful. So something is possibly just he's not pitching effectively for whatever yeah. reason. We'll yeah. see, I guess. We'll see. We'll, we'll find see out. Probably on. I believe he will get the start Wednesday on Wednesday's game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's against our, a good lineup too. It's against a lineup that can hit. Against a lineup, I have some stats on the Mariners in a few in a few minutes. I'll get to them. But yeah, they're they're hitting. Uh, Miggy activated i was kind of surprised he was in the uh, playing third base in his first game back but sweeney actually reported after the game the plan is that anduhar will get time at third base in day games after night games which will allow them to dh sanchez and put romine behind the plate okay i mean when we talked about this we we were both i think in agreement and saying that if 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 anduhar is going to come back he needs to be ready to field and to hit, right? He doesn't need to be just a guy that they're going to pull up and, got, and hit. You got one out of two this week. And throw a DH. Well, he's, he's healthy enough to be in there. I mean, when you're talking about rust on a major league player, you're talking oh. about normal rust. But we're talking about rust on a guy that had a lot of a lot of problems at third base. So that rust will look a lot worse. You know what I'm saying? It was so, two ugly errors on Saturday, too. And, of course, it, it's, a, it's like shaking it's, barnacles off. But it's like the worst thing that could have possibly happened for a Duhar in that situation as far as the, the whole Yankees Twitter thing goes because they're just going to take that and blow it way out of proportion. And I was there too. It's bad optics. That's, uh, he fields a ground ball and he, he tries to throw to second base to turn a double play. And he shot puts the thing 20 feet over the bag. Like what, what was that? Um, and we, we have said – the defense at third base with Urshela is so much better than it is with Andujar. They were turning double plays with Urshela at third base. Andujar cannot turn a double play. Look, the first one was was pretty egregious as well. I mean, like it's it's a little league thing, not getting your glove down. I mean, he was def- definitely playing a hop with his with his glove hovering above the ground. It's like one on one, glove to the ground, and and you play the bounce from the field up, and uh, he's just trying to anticipate a hop. It's just, it's not good, but whatever. It's, it was his first game back. I really could care less. He's, he's, he's there to hit. We need him to play We're better defense, obviously. Very happy his bat's back in the lineup. The defense will be fine. Uh, first game back, so I'm not going to freak out. There was an interesting update also that I saw some guys tweeting out. So we had mentioned, are we positive that he doesn't need surgery? And, and what are the Yankees doing here? Well, Andujar and his side also felt the same way. So they went and got a second opinion. His agents requested a second opinion and both said no surgery recommended. So so doesn't that lead you to believe that the, it was a very, very, very minor, minor yes. tear? That, I mean, sometimes, I said this before, like sometimes when you have a, a torn um, tendon or a muscle like that, it could be called a strain if it's a slight tear. And maybe this was that. I don't know. Maybe it's so slight that, you know, they call it a tear because that's what it is. But it wasn't the only enough thing to... you worry, though, is that does throwing from third and hitting at a major league level potentially make it worse? I don't think so, because I think it's it's a, it's either it is or it isn't. You know, like it, it'll, I don't know if you can get worse, because if it gets worse, then you have to have surgery. 
Um, but I guess yeah. it can get worse. You know, then you'd have surgery. But yeah. but then at that point, then you're on the shelf at that point. So right, I don't know. Yeah, right. Because if he doesn't need surgery, and if he doesn't need surgery, you play him. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't just anticipate and hope and wait for it to tear. You can't. You can't play scared. No, and say it's going to tear again. So, similar to what Tanaka's doing. I mean, he's got a tear in there as well, but he's playing just fine with it. He's been we playing also just got, fine with it for two years. We also got Lemayhu back, and he went two for four immediately. Yes. <laughs> the dude doesn't play for a week and comes back and just starts hitting again, picks up right where he leaves off. I love him. Uh, he's he's become one of my favorite players. You know, after we see uh, even today uh, a two out two out or two RBI hit. You know, ball up the middle. It was a single, and single an error. but whatever. Put bat on ball after the ugly talk went at that. Infield single is a little is a little you know discrediting what he did. Didn't I mean, it was a, it was a nice play. It might have been. I think it was fielded on the grass. Either way, the, he did his job. Two runs came across when he was up at the plate. So you you gotta love that. Um, I think the Yankees got very lucky with the timing of his injury because with Monday and Thursday off that allowed them to just keep him on the bench and not put him on the injured list. If they didn't have an off day that week, I think they would have had to put him on the injured list. Yeah, it's very possible. The two days definitely helped that for sure. And that's why we didn't see him on Wednesday because of that Thursday day off. And you know, Boone was going to let him get that full rest because it Mm -hmm. wasn't just the rest of the day of the, of the Wednesday game. It was also the rest of, uh, of Thursday. And also you mentioned this the last time, uh, the last show, if they did play him, then, you know, something were to happen, it didn't feel right, then you're not able to, um, you know, backdate that, that IL uh, start time. Right. A couple of other injury updates. So we mentioned Frazier. He could be back early this week. Stanton is increasing intensity on his batting practice. He could be back mid-May. Increasing all- intensity. <laughs> yep. That means he's going to be swinging harder. <laughs> so he's so, not swinging. You know, dry swings? Yeah. He's now taking wet swings. Oh. Yeah. Sexy. Hicks could also be back mid-May. He's rehabbing in Tampa. Uh, Betances, they are saying he has not began to throw, but his ETA is June. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I think we're all waiting on Betances and seeing he's got to throw. How do, how do we know? How do you say June if it's May 6th and he hasn't started throwing yet? How do we know anything until he starts throwing? He's got a shoulder injury. How do we know what happens until he starts throwing a ball? You Meanwhile, because that's his job. You talked about Didi just being good at healing. Well, that does sound like the case because he completed a throwing program and he could be back as early as June. Didi More is not only July, but, pro- but could be June. Not only good at healing. And I, I don't even think he's just good at healing. I just think he's an overachiever in every aspect of life and healing being one of them. Like there was little doubt in my mind that I, I still think we're going to see him in June. That would be, you think he could be back for the London series? Yeah, I do. I could that see him. That's June 29th, I could see him sketching, sketching Big Ben, you know, <laughs> sitting there and, and making some some good uh, some good art over in London. I definitely see it happening. Severino not going to be back until after the All Star break because of that update on Sevi and the Paxton news. We do have a mailbag question about that that we're going to get to. Uh, Judge still no no timetable. Speaking of timetable, Greg Bird is walking on a treadmill now. Just a round of applause for Mr. Bird walking on a treadmill. He was asked about a timetable, and he said timetables are pointless. Yes, they are. That's so philosophical. They are pointless. What is, what is a timetable, really? What does it really mean? And uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, there's just no news. It's because he doesn't exist. I actually think he's like, we, this is like Weekend of Bernie's, although you don't even have to show Bernie. He's just gone. Kobe Ellsbury is off the map. 
Um, he's just stopped being up. He's stopped being put into the updates. But no, but there's like, does it? Does, does somebody like see him at Starbucks? Or I feel like we should send a spy out just to see if he's alive. Is he? In, do we know if he's in like Tampa? Can, T- can or TMZ Arizona? give us an Ellsbury report? I don't think TMZ would even stoop low enough to cover Ellsbury news. Wow. That's that's how just irrelevant he is. It's bad. Uh, it's not good. Seattle's coming in. They're having a surprising season. They lead baseball in home runs and runs scored. The most important offensive stat, we talk about WRC plus and OPS plus and all this shit. Well, if you score the most runs, that means you're good at hitting the ball. Uh, eight of their nine starters have above league average OPS plus. Uh, so they're second in, in their division. That, that was not expected after they traded away Cano, um, traded away Paxton. They're having a good year. Yeah, they're they're having a good year. They're uh, surprising some people. They're hitting home runs. They're doing they're doing all the things that really nobody expected them to do, and um, they're going to be tough. I mean, they their their pitching staff. When you look at it, you're like, okay, why why is this an effective pitching staff? Is it is it an effective pitching staff or no? It's hitting a lot of runs. They're scoring a lot of runs. King Felix is not the King Felix of 2008. Kokuchi. Yeah, Kikuchi's going to be pitching in the third game. I was hoping we would see Justice Sheffield, at least on the roster, but he got called up briefly, struggled, got sent back down. Yeah. Um, I kind of didn't want to see him, to tell Why? you the truth. Because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, I think it's bad for him if, if he struggles against New York, and then it's bad for us if he dumb, does well. It's really a no-win situation. Yeah, I, I still like the kid. I still want the kid... You know, I want I want good things for him, so I don't want the Yankees to bash him, and then I'll hate him if he does well against us, and I'll, I'll, especially with Paxton. It probably hurt. wasn't even going to be in a starting role though; it probably would have just been in a relief role. Whatever, it's fine. I'm glad he's not there. He, he needs to fix his own stuff. Come, come, uh, we'll see him later. Yeah, but um, not Kikuchi. I'm I'm interested to see. Interested in Kikuchi? He's yeah, a I'm junk interested. baller. So I'm, at, yeah. I'm at, that'll be tough because mm-hmm. Yankees and junk ball Lewis, do not do well. No. Let's get to mailbags. If you guys want to submit mailbag questions, you can go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, and you can also tweet us and send Facebook messages. Make sure to join the Bronx Pinstripe Show Facebook group. Join also the BP crew if you want to get involved in the chapters. There's a lot of watch parties going on. Scott, you're pulling up uh, right now some info on that. Yes. Should I uh, keep talking until you Nope, I got it? it right here. I got it. So lots of stuff happening with the BP crew chapters. On, on May 11th, we have three events Baltimore, D.C., they've kind of combined that so they alternate areas where they're going to be going. They're going to the Big Stick um, on May 11th. Again, these are these three are May 11th. Uh, Salt Lake City is going to be a Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, so check them out in Salt Lake City if you are out there. Go hit us up on Twitter or go find them. All these guys have a, a Facebook group as well, or you can go to the main BP Crew group and, and find them through there. And then Philly is has one at the Fieldhouse also on May 11th. Then the the following ones after that, um, up in Minnesota, there is they're doing the Buffalo Wild Wings on May fifteenth. Uh, Denver, Colorado, the Denver crew is May twenty fourth, and then May thirty first. Obviously, you got everybody going to Yankee Stadium to face the Red Sox. Let's do mailbags. First up is Rob. He says Andujar versus Ursula. Is this another dumb Yankees Twitter argument like Romine versus Sanchez? Or do all the people, quote, mad on the internet that Gio isn't playing have a point? No. They, he's, he came in to fill a position, to fill a role for the starting third baseman. He did a very good job. He actually 
did better than anybody ever expected. Is he a good glove? Is he a better glove? Yes, he's a better glove. You see that all the time with defensive replacements. How many times I got to say this? This You see guys like Brendan Ryan, literally they have jobs because of their glove. They can't hit, hit worth a damn and they do things with their glove. What we are seeing is a small sample size of G. Ursula actually hitting. If you listen to last week... With you Mike talked Pet- with Petriello, yeah. If you listen to him, we, we, he, you're, you'll know that Ursula has been getting lucky, uh, you know, had some element of luck. Yes, he's been hitting the ball. He's been doing well. I'm not taking anything away from him because he's been phenomenal. And I love seeing the kid up and doing well. That being said, Miguel Andujar is a starting third baseman. And if he's healthy, he should be playing third base. But I think what they can do, well, we already know until some other guys come back and that really Stanton comes back to play more DH. And Duhar will be the primary DH. And I'm totally fine with that. Right. But it, w- let's talk about down the line, June, July, when more guys are back and Andujar is starting at third base. I could see them pulling him earlier in games, sort of like what they did in the playoffs. where sixth, Sometimes sixth inning, in the I think, right? sixth inning, if they got a lead, if it's a three-to-one game and he just hit in the sixth inning, you might not see him come back out there. You know, with the Yankees' bullpen the way it is, and you know, if all things go well and we're still you know, having a successful bullpen year and we have a lead going into the 6th, 7th, 8th inning with the amount of weapons that we have in the bullpen, it would not surprise me if a move like that happened. That being said... You cool with that? I mean, I think it... Yeah, I think if he doesn't improve and we don't see more, uh, you know, better... If we don't see better play from from Andy R, he's going to play himself into that. It is what it is. I think if if I see him... um, if I see him struggling in the field, then then yeah. But he's got to improve. Like it's all on him whether he can improve or not. It's 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 up to him. But no, it, it doesn't. The thing is, is once all these guys are back, it'll be interesting to see how these roster spots play out. Because you know, at that point, you know, you have a guy like Lemay who could also slide over to third base. You could see someone else go in at some some. If Ursula could play, if he can stay on the roster, if he can continue to hit, then it'll be interesting because he's a third baseman. That's it. Like there's no flexibility with that. It's. We're so far away from a fully healthy roster that I can't even wrap my yeah. head around what that looks like. Right, I know so, it's it's tough to it's tough to see who the the. I mean, you, maybe you go back to spring training and look to see what that roster looked like when they broke. Because Urshela does not have a place on this team if if we have the twenty five guys we right. want to have. Urshela is not one baseman. of those twenty five. You can't just have a backup infielder who's only a third baseman because you've got uh, Lemayhu who can play those positions because if Didi's at at short and Glaber's at second and Andujar's at third then you have LeMahieu to be the floating infielder slash replacement at third base Urshela has absolutely no role on the team but that is so far down the line where you're you're assuming so many guys are going to be healthy and with the way shit has gone you get two guys back and another one goes on the injured list right I mean even in that situation when if he were one of the last guys I still think on the, that the team and, and people can't stand this kid because he can't hit, but Tyler Wade plays a better and fits better flexible f- with flexibility defensively. Urshel's a third baseman. Tyler Wade could play third base. He could play left field. He could play second base. He could play shortstop. And when you're looking for the last guy, you're not looking for the offense. You're looking for a guy who could play defense, who could come in late in the game and play defense, run prevention. It's not about his offense. Leanne doesn't like uh, Tyler Wade's eyebrows. Why? Too thick? Too thick. Like look like caterpillars. Like yeah. Like, what do you uh, want him to do? You want him the to dad from American Ask Pie? Leanne, What's that guy's name? Yeah, um, Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy. Do you? Would she rather him wax the eyebrows? 
Man, you want you want to you want to maybe a couple pluck pluck a little bit. You want a waxed eyebrow guy besides like the regular just a little little tweeze job. Little tweeze job. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. That that seems like a lot of work. I feel like he, he he's a speed guy, right? So he needs I to think be he as does. aerodynamic as possible. He should just shave his entire body. <laughs> <laughs> then so now he, him and <laughs> him and Greg Wade. Bird's cat. <laughs> the, look, I th- I think that Tyler Wade does just fine with his eyebrows. Oh yeah, he's he's cleaning he's up with the ladies. Yeah, if yeah, he yeah. could hit, if Tyler Wade could actually hit, he would be, he might be the mo- he would be the he's like the most eligible baseball bachelor out there. But he can't, so he's not. But all right, let's move on. Beth Wellington at Beth underscore Wellington says, "You can still do what awesome thing did Aaron Judge do? Um, even though he's hurt, according to this article, he was helping teammates with hitting. This is why he's the captain." official title or not and she links to a new york times article which i did read talked about how judge decided he was going to travel on the west coast trip he had just gone on the injured list with the oblique wanted to be a part of that san francisco series that's his hometown basically he's from a town right near san francisco he grew up a giants fan he said it it killed him to not be able to play in that series in san fran yeah i mean i see i when when a guy's on the shelf for you know, an extended period of time for an unknown amount of time. I like when they travel. I don't see what the what the harm is in traveling. He doesn't need to be in Tampa. He's not doing anything. He's, no, he's resting. He's just resting now. He's if resting. This were, right. Once he gets closer to, to returning, yes. he's not going to be with the team. He'll Correct. be. Correct. Yeah. And, and, actually, but, and he's doing activities then. He's actually doing things to get to get healthy. But now he's resting. There's no reason he shouldn't be with the team. So I'm glad he went. But it's not just traveling. So that also, uh, the article also got into he still attends all of the hitting meetings. He still's talking, coaching up a lot Good. of the guys. I love in that. game too about yeah. strategy, what the pitcher's doing, what he is seeing. Yeah. So, uh, him being engaged. Well, because last year we mocked when um, the Yankees, uh, like Boone said, having Aaron Judge's presence. Yeah, just even when he was activated, but not actually in the lineup. Right? They activated for those couple him. Days. They activated him for for some ticket sales. They put him in right field in like the eighth inning, like a sideshow, yeah. and it was it was it was crazy. But I've never we, seen anything like it. But they he said, well, his presence on the active roster makes a difference, and we're saying that's asinine because he's still doing he's still talking to the guys. Uh, and, and, even if he's not see, on the active roster, even right. not on the active roster, he's still in the meetings. He's still talking yeah. to the guys. So yeah, yeah I mean. You're not going to get an argument for me when he's actually in the starting lineup. Of course, you get you get all the benefits of Judge, not only the production, but also the leadership and the presence of him in the order. But if he's on the bench, he's on the bench. He can only do so much from the bench, but he's doing as much as he can. Yeah, I love seeing it. I love hearing those stories that, that he wanted to go out there, uh, you know, and that being his home, his hometown. It's it's got to be tough for him to not because he knows also like we're not going to get another chance to do this for. No, they'll go to Oakland. Whatever, four but, years or whatever? Yeah, not San Francisco, but I mean, they'll be in the area. But he was apparently he was a Giants fan. Yeah, well, I don't care about that. <laughs> but I'm glad he's... So now he was a, a fan in the park, not playing. Probably better for him for that way. I don't care who he was a fan of as a kid, though. He'll go home to, to Oakland in that dump of a Coliseum, and they can all visit there. Yeah, it's just the Oakland Coliseum. Different. The O.Co. Coliseum doesn't have the same ring as the uh, whatever their Oracle Park now. Beautiful San Francisco downtown park. Not the same, Scott. Same same family members. Um, he's now he's now got a charity too, so the All Rise Foundation can, you know, host a camp next time they go to Oakland. 
We got two questions. I'm going to read them back to back. The first one's from the BP Crew South Florida chapter at BP Crew South Florida. If you guys are in that area and want to join the BP Crew, make sure you follow them on Twitter. June 1st. Um, they have a, an event on June 1st as well. At this point, with the Paxton injury and Severino news that he's going to be out longer than originally expected, what are the chances that the Yankees now go after Keuchel? And then at Robin621K says, will the Yankees sign Dallas Keuchel on June 4th, the day after the draft, so there's no compensatory (laughs) pick to go to the Astros? Compensatory. It's it's compensation pick, but the word was compensatory, and I wasn't expecting it. I didn't proofread this tweet, Scott. I'm glad you didn't. It was good for all of us. We all know that you can't read. But that was reported. I think John Heyman... uh, was on the radio this week talking about how he's hearing in uh, amongst GMs that Keuchel could be signed after the the draft because of the compensation pick. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because the, the Yankees, we know the Yankees like to hold on to their picks. They don't, a lot of teams don't like to give them up anymore. Um, it's become a, a different, a different world with the, with the way that these picks are weighted as well. So um, I think he would be able to get as much, he would be able to, to, to have a full, you know, a full, choice you know a full uh, range of choices if he waited because if he did it beforehand you'd be leaving some teams out and I some mean, teams you that could are, also have some download deals going on right that absolutely that beforehand, like he knows that he's going to sign with in this theory the yankees it's going to be announced on june 5th but he knows on may may 25th and he's starting to ramp up and then it's just announced on june 5th Yes. And I mean, I th- again, I think regardless, he's going to be ramping up. He's going to be getting ready for around that date just to make sure that all the teams know that, hey, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. I'm stretched out. I've been throwing. I think um, he's going to get signed. Oh, I definitely think he's going to get signed. We're going to we're going to see we're going to see high school field action of Dallas Keuchel throwing to like his Brett alma mater. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the Brett Favre stuff Dallas Keuchel's on, his going farm, back. on his tractor and his now, wranglers. Do we need <laughs> whether he has his Civil War beard on or not? That could be a sign if he's going to the Yankees. He might mm-hmm. wait until the last second to shave it off. I don't know. Shave it for charity, probably. But we could see something like that. You know, like I could go back and, and start throwing. Uh, but he's going to be stretched out. It's the same thing that Gio Gonzalez did. He was stretched out. He'd be stupid if he wasn't. He knows He knows what it, what it's coming down to. So Does does the Severino news and the Paxton... I don't think the Paxton stuff really affects it because Paxton hopefully will be back by June 4th. But um, does the Severino news maybe make you think that the Yankees are going to change their mind? You know, I think actually the Paxton, when you're looking at what Paxton's doing and he's coming back, I mean, if there's some kind of a, a hiccup in Paxton, that to me could put it over the, the edge actually for well, Keiko. three weeks from now is end of May. So it's about a week before that the draft. Should, so we should know about then, right? Like that, that's that Paxton coming back before that draft should put them right in the time frame of knowing where he is and where he isn't for when Keiko wants to sign. So that actually the timing works out really pretty well as far as where they'll know uh you know how um how Paxton's doing but but yeah I mean there, there could be a million things that happen between now and then with Severino too I mean who knows these it would not surprise me if they went out and signed him to tell you the truth it really wouldn't because they know what they have with this team and and uh, you know they're not going they're going to go as far as their starting pitch is going to take them and having a guy like Dallas Keuchel you know out there potentially getting for a bargain at that point ready to stick it to the Houston Astros if, if it's appealing, if, if Cashman can find his deal and, and work his way in there, it would not surprise me at this point. Don't rule the Red Sox out either. I was no, listening. I, I agree. I was listening to Boston Radio about a week ago after the Evaldi news, and they, they were talking about how they could 
I mean, that's such a Dave Dombrowski move. It, it absolutely is. And and remember what happened with the with the Red Sox. They just need to get into the playoffs. They don't need to have a formidable uh, bullpen. They use their starters as their bullpen. So adding another starter essentially just makes their bullpen deeper come playoff time. Yeah. Yeah, and and they sales starting to pitch a little bit better. The whole team, the whole Boston team, is starting to play better. And we, you know, we expected we knew that this was going to happen. happen. We, knew we don't that know was what. Happen. So they're they're still down a pitcher. I mean, Ovaldi's getting having surgery. He probably already had it, and now we're, they're waiting on him to see when his you know bionic arm starts meshing together again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thinking of like the Matrix and like the, all the particles coming back. It takes yeah. a while for it to happen. Yeah. But once, charge it does, it up. but once it's super it strong for three months, <laughs> yes. look out. You cannot touch it. Um, Heyman23 at Heyman2323 on Twitter. What is the supposed plan for Monty when he comes back? He's part of the lengthy IL and was pretty solid last year pre-injury. Is he in AAA until needed? Bullpen? Trade piece? What's the deal? It's Heyman2323. Hey May, not Hey Man, like like John Heyman. Either way, um, we already that's established another... reading, not my forte. Yeah, I'm just trying to call reading it out guys, loud. You know? On we, you guys, really want to? Hear we appreciate some... the mailbag, so I want to make sure that people can find. Oh, totally. Hey yeah. May 23. But do you remember like back in the early days, like episode 20, Pretty episode bad. 30, reading these mailbags? It was a struggle. Yes, yes, I remember. I've gotten better. So it's taken 300 episodes, but I've gotten better. Hey, May 23. Um, Monty is... Okay, We so Monty had the surgery. The surgery went well. Now we're going to see how Monty can pitch with this new with this new ligament, with the new arm. You know, that's that's effectively what we're looking for. When you're coming back from a Tommy John surgery, you're, you're, you're not thinking... I mean, obviously, it's in the back of everybody's mind. You're going to make sure that, you know, he looks good and healthy. But you, you kind of assume that he's going to be healthy at this point because that's what the timetable is. He's coming back at, at full at, at strength from the surgery. Now, can he pitch and get the feel and have all these things like he was beforehand? So, can he become the Monty he was before, uh, strength-wise? You know, getting the same action on his breaking stuff. That's where we'll we'll find out if he's going to be effective or not, and if he's going to be a, a part of this team later. And there's a lot of unknown. He's going to, we're looking at a July timetable for him. But if he's in the minors and things aren't going well, they're just not going to call him up. They're going to, it's not like he definitely has a place on this roster come July. It it all depends on how his rehab is going, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a, from a performance standpoint. And and if he could come back and be the guy that, that, you know, he was pre-injury and you're, you're looking at a Dallas Keuchel who's on the market. I mean, not much of a difference it's so there. T- it's just so tough, though. Um, but with the with the with the numbers that we've seen Keiko put up at the you know last year, and then Monty, what he's done, Monty Monty was a good pitcher. He was a, a effective. We saw him improving. We saw him growing and maturing as a pitcher. Now I don't know if that takes a backseat because of everything that's happened, or you know he can just get right back into that. The mentality is similar, and he's learned still from these things. Or we're still going to be going through some struggles. I, I don't know. And, and and the Yankees obviously in their scouting department and all their minor league coaches will have a better feel and a pulse on the way Monty is and looks and feels. Um, but I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the Yankees still signing a guy like Heichel because Monty is still what another month plus after that. Yeah, I don't think Montgomery's status has any effect on if they're going to sign Keuchel or not, frankly. Yeah, but if I mean, you're looking at two guys that coming in that could be similar similar stuff in their as far as the way that they pitch. 
Keuchel obviously being. I, th- I don't think that's fair. I'm sorry. I don't think that's fair. I think Keuchel's a better pitcher. <laughs> even <laughs> even Montgomery's at this point, with, pitched, with not Montgomery's playing. pitched one season and then uh, a month and then got hurt. Yeah, I get that, but he's also a guy that's that's uh, that's a young guy that that shows that he had the stuff to do it. You know, he's been. I know he's been on the shelf. Who knows? I mean, he might be coming back stronger. He may have a bionic arm from from uh, from the, the surgery. You know, there's we we already told you there's a there's a Balco gonna be it'll be revealed in ten years about these Tommy Johns. There's there's particles a Balco, going in. a Balco scandal with the Tommy Johns. Yes, Doctor James Andrew, James Andrew. It's all gonna yeah. It's gonna be the he's gonna be the kingpin. He's gonna be the Victor Conti of uh, of well, the next scandal. He's been running this racket for like 30, 40 years. At this, he's, when was the first? When did Tommy John actually have Tommy John surgery? That was in good. The, I don't know. Was it him that that did it? The first one. Yeah, it was. Was I mean, that's why they call it it, right? No, not Tommy John. I mean uh, Andrews. Oh, G- James Andrews. No, probably not. So, so there you go. Okay, you know. All right. The last thing is not really a mailbag. It's just an update on our little Idaho discussion from the end of last episode. So, yeah. Callie, who won the T-shirt, uh, DM'd me and she said, uh, she said she loved the conversation. We are all tired of being called quote Midwest, so it's easier to say West Coast. But yes, we are known for potatoes and even use a huge fake potato for a New Year's Eve ball drop. Uh, She's a city kid, though, so uh, she's never seen a potato field in her life. You guys also might know our college football team that is known for the blue turf. Yeah. Okay, now I know who Callie is. I've, I've interacted with her on Twitter before in the past. So thank you, Callie, for the review. We'll get you the shirt. Um, the blue field, I got to tell you, I can't stand it. <laughs> I think they, they came out with the blue turf, the uh, Boise State, and we all know it from the Statue of Liberty play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who was the, uh, the running back? Doug Martin, I think, went to Boise State off the top of my head. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. But, um, but yeah, this is uh, – or am I thinking of Appalachian State? Either way. The, uh, no, the, Boise State had one. The, um, the, the whole potato thing, I'm glad. I don't, the West Coast thing is, is, is leaving me still a little, uh, little uneasy. They're not on the West Coast. Just like you thought P- Pennsylvania bordered the Atlantic Ocean, which still was not accurate. Even with, it's, it's a mere like, couple of miles it's from a, the Atlantic I, I told Ocean. you what it was. The Delaware Water Gap goes out to yeah, the Atlantic okay, Ocean. Yeah, okay, fine. But my point, I'm not getting into this again. I, what, I wanted to, <laughs> what I want to bring up. Is that so? I saw Jerry Seinfeld uh, at the Beacon Theater on Saturday night. Yeah, took my parents. It was a, it was their holiday gift. Uh, he had an opener named Ryan Ryan Hamilton from Idaho. He had a whole bit about how no one knows where Idaho is. Everyone calls it the Midwest, but really they're on the West Coast. I, my mind was blown. I was like, "How the hell is this happening right now?" When you and I just talked about this five days ago. I gotta tell you, the other thing that, that crept into my mind when Callie said that. She's a city kid and never seen a potato. Like that blows my mind. Potato field. I, she's seen a potato. I'm never, I know a potato field. I just said it fast. The fact that she's never seen a potato field and that she's a city kid. First of all, I, there's cities in Idaho. <laughs> there's like Boise. big cities. Is that Boise? a big city? Is that like a big city? You already know my knowledge of Idaho is not very deep. I'm, I'm expecting like the people that commute to Boise, Idaho live on potato fields. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah. I'm looking up biggest city in Idaho. It's got to be Boise. Or Des Moines? No, that's Iowa. <laughs> there we go again, Boise. <laughs> See, this, the thing is, I just, I, I can't imagine a city. 226,000 people, which is like three blocks in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, that's... Like, they, they throw potatoes. At, their crime is actually throwing potatoes at each other. Potato guns. They hurt. Fun. Potato guns hurt. Yeah. 
especially at close range. Yeah, you could do you damage got, with yeah, a you got shot with one before. I've seen it happen. <laughs> Someone took one to the um, gut. Yeah, I think it was actually a t-shirt gun that was used as a potato gun. Okay, I think. I don't remember. It's a little foggy. <laughs> it was a long. It was a long night. Days. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's a lot of Yankee fans though in Idaho because we got another review from another Idahoan. <laughs> Idahoan. Did you just make that up? Idaho. <laughs> yeah. An, Ida- an Idaho resident saying that they love the podcast. So, I, I mean, the Idaho, there's nothing else. I mean, they're kind of close to the Seattle, kind of close to Northern California. But Jacoby Ellsbury fans out there? That's where Jacoby Ellsbury is. He's been eating potatoes. He's been on the potato diet. He's just been eating potatoes. So I just remembered that I actually do have a friend that's from Idaho, and I didn't even put it together until just now. Because you thought he was from Iowa? No, no, it's because he went to school in Washington and they're so close to each other, mm. like very, very close that it, I forgot that it was the Idaho connection. But yeah, it's right there. Mm-hmm. At least at some point it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Second podcast in a row and probably the last we're going to talk about Idaho, but we appreciate all the Idahoans that are uh, listening to the podcast and our Yankee fans. Maybe, maybe they can start an Idaho BP crew chapter. I would love it. I would love it. I'll... I would love to visit the BP crew chapter in Idaho just to see yeah. what just to see what city life's like in Idaho. Maybe I'm gonna warm can... my arm up. I'm gonna warm my arm up in case I get mugged so that I can peg someone with a potato. If Bronx Pinstripes ever takes off like big time and we become filthy rich, can we go buy a potato farm in Idaho and turn it into a baseball field like Ooh. in Field of Dreams? Yeah, yeah, but not Iowa. We'll turn Idaho into the new Iowa. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I like that. I think it's a good idea. And we I, play with potatoes. <laughs> okay. It's a good, that's a good I, gimmick. It's a good gimmick. Did I lose you? <laughs> a little bit. I was just looking on Netflix. Uh, we were looking for something last night. There's a whole special about this Portland minor league team. Have you seen that? Yes. The battered bastards of baseball. Very yeah. good. You watched it. I, I had no clue that Kurt Russell was his dad. Did Am I ruining it for you? No, no, no. You I mean, care? I saw that you're not ruining anything. I, I okay. haven't... I'm going to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. But. His dad was like, he had a whole ties to the Yankees. He like traveled with the Yankees when he was a child. Yeah. It was like a bat boy. And then Kurt Russell played on that team, that independent league team. He was the designated hitter. Yeah. It looks crazy. It looks like fun. I'm going to watch it. It was good. It was a good documentary. It's quick, like 50 minute documentary. I think. I like so. those. I like those. Yeah. In and out. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode. Any last words, Scott? You know, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they do against Seattle because this is a team that is, uh, you know, a, again, a, a team that is not a bad team like we've been seeing. And we got to keep the momentum. We beat, beat the Twins as we should, as we always do. <laughs> so nothing is unexpected with that. But it's a team again, uh, above 500, and that's new. We haven't seen that yet this year. So I think we need to see this team as we're getting healthy to just get on maybe a little bit of a streak, maybe a little winning streak against good teams. You think Paxton's a little upset that he's not going to be facing his old team? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd say. I was, I was thinking about that on Friday when he went on, the, went on the injured list. Maybe that's why he was trying to push through it. Maybe. I, I don't. I don't want to see that. That's fine. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show. We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.